Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the Mining Podcast. And today's guest is Mike Hudson, who's the CEO of Surabi Gold, an exploration and production company um, involved in the valuation and development of gold deposits in Brazil. Um, Mike is a geologist by background and has um, worked across Europe and South America, uh, working for the likes of ACA Howe International, Rio Tinto and Zambia Consolidated Copper Mines. Um, so his, his expertise is in narrow vein uh, underground mining operations. Um, so he's here to talk about Surabi Gold, um, mining in Brazil, and, and much more. So that's welcome, Mike, to the podcast. How are you doing, Mike? Very well, thank you, Rob. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, no worries, and I appreciate your time. So, yeah, as we always uh, start these podcasts, wonder if you can tell uh, the audience or give our audience an overview of your background um, obviously, as a geologist, um, what you've done in your career um, um, and bring us up to the sort of present date from maybe from when you graduated. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I've been doing this for about 35 years now, and um, I suppose I'm very fortunate. I've actually stayed employed right the way through that time. I lived through some, you know, the mining industry and the metal cycles are, um, uh, are, are well, they're cyclic, so cyclic. So you you know, there are boom periods and um, bust periods. And I uh, say so <clears throat> to stay um, and not give up on the industry and keep going right the way through. Um, I'm pretty pleased to actually have managed to have done that. And it's quite an achievement. Uh, I've, I, as you say, I, I graduated back in the early 80s. I did a mining uh, master's degree in uh, at Leicester University back in uh, 83, 84. Uh, and I started life with RTZ um, very quickly, as many a Brit did, um, cut my teeth in mining in, in Zambia uh, on the big copper mines, which was basically uh, a great grounding for uh, understanding everything about the industry. Did about four years out there, uh, stayed in Africa a little bit longer, did some uh, uranium exploration stroke development program. And then I actually sort of came back to the UK and got a job at uh, um, in Cornwall at South Crofty um, back in the late 80s. And uh, that was probably where I sort of started specializing a lot in smaller underground mining. And that's kind of become my uh, my niche. Um, it wasn't by choice. I did that. Uh, uh, great, great grounding, great place to work, um, great dedicated team of people. And I stayed there a long time. And since then, it's taken me to, and, and probably at that point, I transitioned a little bit from being um, a mine geologist uh, into more underground on operational management and moved into sort of more uh, managerial roles, operational management roles, uh, up into sort of mine superintendent's position, et cetera. And then um, I uh, spent a bit of time working for TVX Gold, which is a very um, sort of fast-moving, emerging uh, junior stroke mid-tier company on the TSX in the mid uh, in, in the late 90s, uh, which took me um, all over South America. But ultimately, I ran the uh, base metal operation for TVX Gold in Greece. So I was working in Greece, and again, that was a small quality a relatively small underground um, mine uh, where, again, with most underground small mines, it's all about quality rather than quantity, dilution control and good mining practice, et cetera, to maintain those margins. So, again, uh, that was uh, my specialization. And then uh, after that, um, 
that company got sold and I ended up finding myself back in South America uh, working for Ovana Minerals and again, underground mining in Bolivia, uh, but I was based in Toronto. Um, and then ultimately that job moved. I, I took the position with Sarabi back in the 2008, um, initially on the board and then became the CEO a little while afterwards. And uh, I've been there ever since. And uh, hey ho, it's high grade underground mining again. And uh, this time it's gold. So the commodity has changed. Um, tin initially, and then some with some, I've done copper, uranium, tin, then gold or base metals with gold. And then basically since around 20, uh, 20, 2005, I've probably focused only on gold. But each time it's been small underground mining, which is quite a challenge because the, the industry has really been dominated by vast um, uh, open pit uh, um, targets over the last operations, over the last sort of uh, 30 odd years, this obsession with uh, scale and driving down unit costs, which um, has generally been uh, what's driven the market. And uh, so we're at the other end of the spectrum. We're sort of mining quality ounces, small volumes, etc., which sometimes investors struggle to understand because they don't see that story very often. But you know what's really good about it is the capex is always low when you're building something new, and um, it's small footprints. And in these uh, times of, you know, uh, uh, ES, a lot ESG and environmental concerns and small footprints and power issues. Small is good. Small is beautiful, and um, it, it's um, it, it certainly worked for us. So uh, I find myself, uh, you know, we're back where I started: small underground mining, chasing quality ounces, and uh, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Do you think that swing will change from having more underground, small underground mines, rather than having that vast open pit? operations well it works in our part of the world certainly uh, brazil in the north where we are brazil is um a uh um, is co- it's it's essentially a continent it's a federation of 26 states people uh including myself when i first went to work there generally oversimplify what brazil is they think it's one big country and it's all the same far from it you know in the south you've got a pretty sophisticated developed country um, almost first first world in some states, but in the north where we are, we're definitely in uh, third world uh, developing Brazil. Very res- limited power. Uh, the power distribution is, is is improving a lot and it's growing, but it's it's still a constraint on 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 the on the state where we are. Um, road access is improving, but again, it has been a problem. So you know, so where you've got small power, you've got power challenges, uh, and you've actually got environmental. A big, big sort of you know, concern, and rightly so, about environmental uh, standards. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I, th- I think the days, and certainly where we are, of of, of developing enormous um, uh, surface mines, which are going to require huge power amounts of power, huge amounts of capital from investors, which will be at risk because they're trying to get something permitted in an environmentally sensitive area, and you're deforesting a lot of uh, ground there. And uh, we all know what a hot potato deforestation is in the Amazon today. Um, so, um, yeah, we, we are focusing on small, high-grade uh, mines um, projects, which we know we can get permitted, we know we can get built, and we know we can actually operate um, responsibly and viably. Okay. Um, I wonder if you can give us an overview of uh, Sarabi Gold. Um, obviously, you're, you're um, a gold miner in Brazil. Um, yeah, just wanted to give us an overview of the company. You said you've been there since 2008. So probably that progression would be good to hear um, to where you are sort of today. 
Yeah, well, when I joined the company, um, the company didn't really have any um, uh, much sort of mining expertise. It was uh, uh, populated with, um, although I graduated as a geologist, I transitioned into sort of operational management and engineering uh, a long time ago. But it, uh, the company was kind of populated with a lot of exploration geologists. And they put a small mine into production, which which was no mean feat because it was in a very re very remote place at that time. Where where Polito is today is a very different world to where it was in 2006, when it was really remote. The access was terrible. The power there was no power. Uh, it was so those first sort of pioneers in Sarabi did a did some you know really really uh, did the hard yards and did some great things. But the company was kind of. Um, their, their, their desire, their, their love was exploration. And so the mine was never really um, established in a correct way. It was sort of, and it was Australian juniors. And I was fine with the Aussies, uh, a lot of the Aussies. Uh, I mean, I love their approach. It's kind of see a speck of gold and start mining. And um, so it was all done on a, a bit of a shoestring and sort of, a, um, you know, pretty risky approach. And, and, but in that time, in the mid 2000s, there was a lot of money around. And it was quite easy to, um, you know, get get finance. Uh, and it was the time when the AIM Junior bubble was really, really growing. And uh, investors came in, and Sarabi sort of got a got a real tailwind with, you know, investors, etc. And um, uh, and I think the problem then there was a lot of funds got into these juniors, not in, not just Sarabi, but many juniors, um, big funds, J.P. Morgan and Majedi, Framlington's uh, Standard Bank. Um, uh, um, Trying to remember all the names, some pretty big names back then, uh, and they were all, you know, the junior world was a real departure from their safe jurisdictions normally, and uh, I think the expectations from these big funds and banks and whatever on these small juniors were, was pretty high, uh, and I think the at the time the, um, the 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 board of Sarabi and the major shareholders were quite happy with that sort of expectation um, running away. Uh, and I and I think then, of course, the the strategy of the company, rather than doing the right thing technically, was more driven by the expectation in the market. You know, we've got a, you know, Sarabi was going into production in two thousand and six on a small high grade mine. It could never do more than about thirty thousand ounces. But if the market wanted to think it was sixty, going to eighty, going to a hundred, then let it. And that was kind of the kind of the culture back then. And uh, the share price was going through the roof, and everyone was happy. And in parallel, it was a time when Yamana were really taken off in on the TSX in Brazil as well. So there was kind of, well, is Sarabi going to be the next Yamana type thing? And I suppose the company never really had the people in place to understand how could we scale up and we didn't have the people on the ground in Brazil to really run the operation to do that expansion. Uh, and it, and it's a desperate attempt to kind of chase scale. Um, uh, the mining method was changed and uh, the whole thing just 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 went wrong. Uh, I was brought in really to try to, at the last moment, say, "Look, what, what, this is all going wrong. What can we do?" Uh, being a mining guy, and uh, I said, "Well, um, it's 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 too late." And I I almost came in and closed. I, I, well, basically, I, I closed the mine down. Uh, it was the first thing I did, uh, and we then decided that we had to. Uh, and I suppose being new, I could do that where the existing sort of management couldn't. So I, I did that. And then I was um, I oversaw then basically about a four year period where we we got El Dorado in as a new shareholder. They had bought a, a kind of the flagship asset in the region. And I think um, they, they'd seen us stop, stop mining this small little mine. And they wanted us to focus on um, sort of regional exploration, try and 
really grow the resource and not revisit any kind of production question until we had a, a resource big enough to deliver a meaningful level of production, which all made a lot of sense. So that's what we did. And we spent about three or four years doing that. We really we, we took the company from 400 odd people down to say 25. We really streamlined the company and we essentially became an exploration development company. We listed on the TSX on the back of the Eldorado placing uh, and, and things were going pretty well. And um, and then we kind of hit a point in around 2012, where in 2012, 2013, when we'd listed on the TSX, but you know the markets, again, there was just so little market for exploration and development stories back then. It was just all about production, 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 whether it was big or small or whatever. And we, although we didn't want to go back into production, we we really had no choice. It was the only is the only the only funding options open to us were were some of our existing shareholders saying, well, you know, we'll we'll back a restart of gold production, but we won't put any more money into exploration. So somewhat reluctantly, we did a PEA and we put the mine back into production. Uh, but it was a godsend because we timed it really well. The gold price had um, gone to about $1,700 an ounce. And um, we we put Polito back into production as a small underground uh, mine. But this time, we did it right. And we brought in a, 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 a Peruvian mining contractor who, and these guys know underground mining very, very well. We didn't. One of the big problems in Brazil is there's so little, as I'd explained right at the very beginning, Brazil is a classic um, case of what we see in the world today. It's just dominated by enormous, huge mines. Um, so small underground mines are very hard to find. It's very hard to find the people who work in them. And it's very hard to find the equipment that you need to operate them. You know, there is just a complete lack of it in, in Brazil. Well, there is in the world, but particularly in Brazil. So we brought in a, a Peruvian contractor, which we've since nationalized, but they've actually been the, um, uh, the salvation of, 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 of this selective high-grade mining that we do. So that's really been uh, our, our success. Now, slowly, we've, we've, we've trained up more and more Brazilians, and we mechanized the mine more, so our reliance on these guys has actually diminished, which is good. Uh, and we've just ramped up over the last sort of five years. We've put the mine back into production. Then we switched the plant on a year later. We rebuilt the plant. In 2014, we went into production. We picked up a satellite asset called uh, Sao Chico on the way. And so we've since ramped up to about 40,000 ounces. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's made money. Um, and, uh, but, but of course, we, we are still stuck in that um, you know, it's just not meaningful enough. Forty thousand ounces. So how do we? How do we? How do we get? How do we get bigger? How do we get bigger? Well, we still believe in what we do. Um, you can't just simply mine that deposit faster to get the production up, but you need another one like it. Or and so that's where Coringa came along. So Coringa was an asset down the road from um, from our mine, Polito. Um, it was in the hands of Anfield, which became Equinox, which is one of Ross Beatty's companies. They did a lot of work there, spent a lot of money on it, um, and uh, it kind of really doesn't work for anybody else but us. I mean, if you put that asset into into Sarabi, you know, it's another Polito, so it's simply another forty thousand ounces. So we then become, uh, as we're now doing it, we're developing it, we become an eighty thousand ounce producer, and I think with a little bit of exploration success in and around both sites, we can get to a hundred thousand ounces. And finally, we are beginning to get that critical mass and that scale. That um, gets a bit of market awareness, so that's uh, that's our that's our big push now. To uh, and the nice thing is, it's 
we're not leaving our comfort zone. We 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 are just doing what we've done before with Karinga. We're building another Polito, and uh, we've done it once. And uh, the capex is twenty five, thirty million dollars. You know, which is a a, a refreshingly small number compared to most uh, builds that you see uh, these days. And uh, yeah, it's going to be meaningful for a very, very. You know, it's going to change our world. We're going to go to forty to eighty, ninety thousand ounces in the next two years. So it's uh, it's 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 great. Yeah, um, um, it looks from uh, reading recent announcements and uh, corporate moves that Sarabi is looking to grow uh, materially in the, obviously the near future, both organically um, and uh, inorganically. Um, can you walk us through or talk us through the uh, Karinga acquisition, uh, obviously that you just mentioned, um, and plans for that development and exploration? Yeah, I mean, we are spending, I mean, last year being a, the pandemic year, it, it, we just basically had to go into sort of a little bit of hibernation. We we had to cut the workforce back and it's just a year of production from Polito. We really had to park our exploration. We were going to do a very aggressive exploration plan around Polito because there's a lot of upside in around Polito. It's a plant constrained business. We know the plant needs to expand and a satellite mine so called Sao Chico. They both have amazing exploration upside. Uh, just to simply expand the Polito plant blind would be silly. We're trying to explore in and around that area to see maybe we should put some kind of small plant at Sao Chico instead of expanding the Polito plant. Either way, we need more plant capacity at Polito. Uh, and the exploration effort is really to, and therefore, the expansion we should do. So we've had to postpone that for a year, but this year we're doing 30,000 meters of drilling uh, in and around Polito. We've got four rigs there today drilling away, and we'll keep that going all of this year and probably a big part of next year. Um, so we're really throwing some dollars at uh, the Polito complex to actually push for organic growth and understand, you know, where 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 we should best uh, expand our plant and by how much. Karinga is down the road from Polito. It's a little too far away to actually have sort of, you know, production any kind of like operational synergy uh, in terms of feeding a, 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 a with plant plant synergy, for example. It's got obviously managerial and synergy, etc. But that's got its own plant. Um, it's it's uh, what we're doing at Karinga is we bought it in 2018 from Anfield. We paid $22 million in cash. That's all paid for. We paid for it out of a little bit of equity raise, but basically out of cash flow. So we've uh, so cash flow from Polito has basically bought half Karinga. Uh, we're now busily uh, getting it ready for to start the mine. We've got the permit to start the underground mine at Karinga uh, now. So we plan to finally start our first blast in July. I'll be getting down there. Very exciting time. I see that mine begin, uh, and that'll be great. So we're going to spend the next sort of nine, 12 months developing the mine hard. That's the, the, the uh, that's the issue with an underground mine. It, it's it takes a time. Ta you're going to develop quite a lot of the underground develop underground mine before you start getting it set up ready to have a sustainable level of production. So like Polito, there'll be a two year ramp up. To get the to get the mine started, which means we do not have to start the process plan building it tomorrow. Uh, we're still working, and we actually don't have the permit to start the the uh, the permit or to assemble the process plant yet. Permit plant is there, uh, but it needs. Um, but we're working through the last permit, what's called the installation license. That's to allow us to assemble that plant and ultimately switch it on. Uh, but again, that's not a long lead item, so we don't need to do that yet. But we hope to get that permit uh, by the end of this year. So we can actually start the site clearance and the uh, the construction of the process plant. But because the beauty about Karinga is we have the plant there already. We're not going out looking for it to buy it or procure it. We uh, we've already got the plant there. It's a second hand plant, but we're uh, we. Uh, so really, the 
the the capex is um it's civils it's concrete it's foundations it's the the plumbing in the power the electricity uh, and all that stuff um so um so the the big part of our capex at 25 million dollars is mine development it's just basically getting on the ground initially with one heading and then one heading can branch out into two headings two become four four become eight and we just go chasing uh chasing veins underground all over the place so uh that's all going to be uh, do, that's what we're going to be doing over the next sort of 18 months so it's um, underground development is the big push and uh, starting in July so that's the that's that's the plan yeah um what what's it like operating in Brazil obviously you mentioned there is a number of different challenges uh, that you've that you have faced obviously with yeah. a variety of different different um, equipment people etc obviously you've been through that now and obviously looking at the the new the, the new developments what is is there any other challenges or what challenges do you see that you're going to um, face over the next 18 months two years for instance well you know people it, it, it has a reputation of you know bureaucracy and labor laws being difficult and corruption and obviously the president today is constantly being uh, criticized for um, you know his, his lack of um, uh, well, respect for the, you know, in the indigenous communities and, and uh, et cetera, you know, it, yes, you know, but I, I don't think, I don't think mining is easy in any jurisdiction these days. Um, it really isn't. And I, and I would, I would say, you know, we got Polito and Sao Chico up and running again within about permitting within months. And at Karinga, we've got a mining license within months. We had a public hearing, during the pandemic last year, we actually got a public hearing, um, which the local people had unanimous support for us to get the, the mine up and running. Um, you know, the government are always looking for, you know, companies to be there and bring jobs. They're, they're particularly in the north of Brazil, I think it's a good, okay, you've got the problem that you've got, you know, power is is limited in certain places, infrastructure is is limited, and, and you probably haven't got a very educated workforce. So you are, it's not... Um, it's not so easy on that front. But that said, socially, they're always looking for companies to come in. And, and, and Brazil has this problem that the people in the north are generally always migrating to the south, to the urban areas. Uh, and they, want, they, they really want to encourage business to, or companies to go there and set up businesses. Uh, and I, one thing I learned in Brazil, um, working there, is I think I said before, it's a, it's a federation of 26 states that speak Portuguese and use the Brazilian real currency, but that's about the end of the, um, uh, you know, what's in common. Uh, the state government, we're in the state of Pará in the north of Brazil, and, you know, um, they literally, that part, that state government is far more powerful than the federal government. It really is. Uh, and, and therefore, you are, um, you know, what's, you, you, they love to see you not just being a Brazilian company, but you've got to be a, you know, in our case, a para company in that state and really commit. And, and so we spend, you know, we employ virtually 85% of our workforce are local. Uh, all of our money that we, 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 all our purchases we do in the state of para, and we try to really recycle the money. And I think that's been enormously helpful for us. You know, we're, we're not some little Canadian junior that's just arrived and, you know, we've drilled a few holes at Coringa and we're just pumping the market to make money. You know, we've, we've been at Polito for eight for, for 15 years and stuck it through. We're the only hard rock producer in the region. And although we're not a big company, in that part of Brazil, we're a big fish in a small pond. And we've kind of proven that we are committed to the region and we've 
we've done everything right. We brought uh, we brought modern, responsible mining to an area which is dominated by Garimperos. They are the artisanal miners, the domestic miners, which generally give mining a bad name, you know, because they they go there and they sort of cut down trees and scar the landscape and then just sort of scarp around a town. Uh, you know, we are a flagship to the local authorities and the environmental agencies because, you know, although we're small, we are, you know, doing it and mine into production and bring, you know, duplicate the amount of jobs we've already got. So, you know, it was pretty easy to get the mine um, uh, permitted and um, and move forward. So uh, that, that's been really important to us, you know, um, sort of, you know, our image that we are you know, committed to the region and therefore. So, I, yes, it, it's it's. There are the challenges which are basically infrastructural, you know, power and access and all of those things, and 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 finding the skills to do the job. Because as I say, in the mi- in mining in Brazil, the educated the mining edu- schools are all in the south. So we are somewhat reliant on bringing Brazilians from the south of Brazil to the north of Brazil, which is not ideal. Because funnily enough, those people that come from the south of Brazil, they speak Portuguese, are just as much a gringo in Brazil as as you and I would be. You know, because they're not local, um, it, it's no different from you know uh, that we find in this country. If we suddenly, you know, I don't know, decide to go and live in the Scottish Highlands in a small island, it would take a while to get accepted, wouldn't it? So it, yeah. it is a bit like that. But it, it, it is. Um, but but you know, I, I think we found we've got a form for doing this, and it's worked for us. So we're we're we're, you know, it's. Um, I wouldn't say it's easy, but. I don't think I think setting starting mines. I, I don't think anywhere in the world now starting up a mine is easy. And I, I think where we are, it's as easy. It's probably as easy as it gets. You know, I um, that's what I would say. Yeah. Um, how have the sort of recent tailings issues in Brazil impacted mining companies, obviously operating in the in the country, um, and obviously in in relation to yourself as well in in Sarabe? Well, that has been a challenge. There's no. No hiding that fact, um, and it's you know I get quite frustrated that you know one of the world's biggest companies, um, you know BHP and Valet, have done all this damage. You know uh, they they both of these mines were theirs and um, or Valley's anyway, and uh, the two the two big disasters that occurred. We are very different to that. Uh, first of all, these those are big iron ore mines, uh, and their tailings dams are huge. Because their operations are huge, uh, they are enormous, and um, I think probably back in two thousand, back in sort of you know twenty odd years ago, the it is it has to be said that the 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 level of let's say legislation and policing of of d- dam design and, and etc. was lacking in Brazil, um, and because Valley were a big part of the government, they were kind of beyond suspicion, um, so uh, they got away with. Um, a lot and uh you know um it's all coming back to haunt 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 them now but it has actually unfortunately had a a knee-jerk there's been a real knee-jerk reaction in brazil with 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 sort of retrospective legislation which has come in and um and unfortunately there's a bit of a one-size-fits-all approach to all of this they they don't differentiate between our tiny little tailings ponds and BHPs or Valet's enormous tailings dams. And they don't differentiate between the fact that our little tailings ponds are virtually dry. We're almost depositing tailings which are dry within a week. And you can drive 
you can drive over them with a, with a lorry, <laughs> you know, because they're, they, we, when we actually make our tailings, we, 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 we're in a sort of a granite ore body, which is, um, uh, it means we don't grind uh, in the mills. We actually have a very coarse grind, which means we actually produce a sand rather than silt type fraction, which means the, the tailings just settle in no time. They dry, they filter, and, and, that, and that's it. Uh, whereas in the iron ore mines, they are essentially remain in suspension. They're a slurry forever. So they are dealing with a very different problem to us. So they, their problem is physical failure of these dams because of the weight of all the materials inside them. In our case, if, if a tailings dam wall fell, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's completely dry stack. So it would go nowhere. There's no risk. And thirdly, we have a detoxification plant. So the material we have in our tailings ponds is um, completely inert. But unfortunately, tailings dams are tailings dams in Brazil, whether it's tiny one, an egg cup like we've got, or, you know, a huge swimming pool like uh, Valley have got. So we've had to do an awful lot of third party inspections and remediations and putting in quite over the top support of our existing tailings uh, pond at Polito um, just to comply. And of course, even the consultants and contractors are doing that, saying, well, this is just frankly, you know, it's ridiculous, but, you know, um, it is what it is. But we decided um, probably more from an investment risk um, that, you know, we, we were looking. I mean, I, the problem today is in Brazil, Valley still run many other iron ore mines and they've got quite a few of their tailings dams are actually on what's called a amber watch or like a red watch because they they're having to pump billions of dollars into trying to put right their, their tailings dams, which are operating today, uh, to prevent a third a third incident. Um, so, and of course, I think one more bit of bad news out of Brazil with tailings, and that's going to make, um, you know, it's, it's just going to make mining dams even more problematic going forward. So during, when we actually acquired Coringa from, um, from Anfield back in 2000 and, uh, uh, 17, we decided to, uh, they'd already done a BFS on the project, but we decided we were going to do a PEA and we were going to take the tailings dam out and we were going to bring in a filtration plant and dry stack technology so we wouldn't have a tailings dam. And we thought that would, be, would certainly be a huge um, sort of plus to the local community that, uh, because, you know, people don't understand the difference. They see the word tailings dam and whether it's tiny dam or big dam, they, it's just, you know, it's like, it's just a, it's just a red flag. So we took it off the uh, we took it off the menu completely, and uh, I think that's one of the main reasons we got our um, our public hearing so positively received. And on the back of that, we got the preliminary license, which is essentially the they are essentially approving the building of the project in principle, uh, because that's when you get stakeholder support, etc. That's where you normally get stopped. After that, your licensing is essentially procedural. You just gotta basically just go through the process. You've got past the the no, the go, the no, the go, no go decision at that point, and I think that electing not to have a tailings dam at Coringa was was huge. Now, personally, I'd have a tailings dam any day of the week because they are simpler uh, and probably better than dealing with dry stack. But you know, we're going to have an extra cost of um, drying our tailings after it's at the back end of the process plant to make a. You basically just squeeze the tailings, squeeze the water out, and then you actually have a. a, a a sand that you can handle and you just stack it and that's it, um, which is more difficult to deal with. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it was a decision we took to um, uh, circumnavigate any future problems with tailings in Brazil. So we've kind of uh, 
we've ducked the we've 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 ducked the challenge in many ways. We've just moved away from it. And many many companies building process pl- uh, building um, projects in Brazil today have done just the same. But then the, here we are. Another huge advantage of being small um, filtration of tailings is no is no biggie really. But if you're a big open pit and you've got a you know enormous volume of material to to to, to basically filter, then that's um, that, that that's a um, it's 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 a it's almost like a a, a a business in itself just doing that. So it's a but th- that's what we've done. We've taken the tailings dam out. Uh, we ha- we have a sort of a variation of dry stack tailings at Polito, and we've got a filtration plant at we will have a filtration plant at uh, at Karinga. Yeah, um, is it? I mean, would you say it's more education around the tailings dams issue, uh, not just uh, I suppose educating the public, but also educating maybe some people within the mining industry as well that are not necessarily associated with tailings um totally. so that uh, yeah. so they can yeah. get that point across that not every tailing dam is one one big huge pond um there is different differences so don't paint don't paint the what's the what's the saying don't paint we don't don't taint don't get tainted by the same brush same brush yeah exactly no yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely that that is the that is absolutely the point we are that there should be it should be scaled and yeah. if you're only this big and your material is like this then you are the lowest risk group so therefore your tailings uh you you don't need to have such ridiculous um uh, sort of factors of safety and all this that you know uh, that, that, but as i said right at the very beginning unfortunately we're we're stuck with a one size fits all. The authorities in Brazil, the government in Brazil, are so scared of litigation now due to mm. tailings and what's actually happened. They are just, they're just, they've just gone completely from, you know, absolutely slack and, and, and incompetent and negligent to ultra, ultra conservative, uh, mm. which is, you know, you see it all the time, but that, that's where we are at the moment. So, you know, uh, I mean, look, it's not going to, it's not going to impact on what we do, but it's, um, it's just, uh, we have to we have to we have to budget now for a lot more on tailings, which we never had to do, and it's just it is frankly um, not not warranted, but it is what it is. Yeah, simple. Yeah. Um, what do you think makes you such an exciting proposition for investors out there? Um, I suppose compared to other junior miners. Well, I think well, obviously we're cheap, incredibly cheap. <laughs> Um, I, I think we suffer a little bit liquidity because of our shareholder structure, which is a bit unfortunate. It's uh, something; it was worse. It's got better. Uh, we've we haven't got a lot of free float. Um, we've got two big funds in there, and then two other. I mean, sort of seventy-eight percent of our stock is actually in four hands, which uh, does make um, uh, we we need more retail, um, which would would help. Um, but you know, I, I think we're about to go into a, a, a quite well an amazing step change in in our time. You know, we are actually today um, sitting in our best moment. We've got $70 million in the bank. We're robust. We're making money. The gold price is good. The real exchange rate is so much in our favor. We're making money um, and we're, we're funding a lot of, uh, and, you know, we've got, we've got the first part of Coringa completely funded. So we're about to enter this really exciting stage of, of, of developing this new mine. And, uh, and I never want to sort of underplay the exploration success because I, I think we're, we've, we've the chance of finding a, um, uh, more resource at Polito and Sao Chico and another element at Polito. You know, I think in the, next, in the next 18 months, okay, we're saying we're going to go from 40 to 80,000 ounces in the next two years, but I think we can actually, with organic growth, very possibly do more. And Karinga itself is, 
um, I think could be a much bigger deposit than what we're actually planning on it being. We've got a process plant there that's got plenty of capacity and we've got a huge amount of upside at Coringa. So again, um, I think we could turn Coringa not only into a long-lived asset, but, uh, but a, a, much, a much bigger one as well. So, and I think, you know, I think once we get to battle, once we've actually delivered on Coringa, we're starting it and it's being built, um, and people can see the pathway to 80, 90, 100,000 ounces, um, you know, hopefully our share price will respond and we will see. And I, I, you know, I think we'll be very ripe for a consolidation. I mean, we're always in, we're, we're, we're certainly a willing participant in, in any discussion like that with the right group. And I think, uh, I think a company with a, with a project in Brazil that needs building and they could sort of, you know, combine with us and use our cash flow to help fund debt and et cetera, get a better debt deal. It would be a good, it would be a good, um, a good marriage. So we've always got half an half an eye on, um, you know, the right type of combination as well. But we're not, we're not sellers, desperate sellers or anything like that. You know, what we've got, we've got a great story going for ourselves. But I think, um, you know, um, to get to get mass with uh, the right, the right um, uh, M&A partner would actually be uh, something we'd like to do, consider as well. Yeah. So lastly, as a conclusion, um, why didn't give us uh, sort of the outlook for the next 18, 18 months, two years uh, for Surabi Gold? Well, obviously, um, we'll start the mine in the, in, for the rest of this year. Coringa development of the underground mine will begin, which will be great. So we'll start, we'll get underground, we'll hit one of the ore bodies and we'll start developing it. And uh, hopefully there'll be lots of, I'll be getting down there doing lots of video and showing, you know, what we're doing and uh, that's important because that's <clears throat> we we don't expect to do any more equity raising um for for coringa uh, we actually hope with the cash flow we're going to generate from a current operation uh we'll actually be able to get we've got some really we've, we've borrowed debt off groups like sprott asset lending before and we've got other banks that we've got good relationships with and they're very keen on on sort of uh, what we can do and one of the things that we do want to do to actually make that debt easier is get underground and actually prove the con- get into the ore body so you can really see it in three dimensions rather than just in drill holes. So that, that'll actually help help that whole process uh, as well. And we can we can do some physical test bulk sampling and test work as well, which will be which will be great. Uh, and obviously a Polito. So that will be uh, Coringa the first six months. And we do hope by the end of the year we'll get this installation license, which will allow us to actually start assembling the process plant at Coringa in 2022. Which is be um, uh, the next the two big milestones occurring will be the underground mine for the next year, and then hopefully early 2022 the installation license to start the commencement of the plant construction assembly. Let's say so they're the two big things at Coringa. At Polito, we're obviously drilling away. We're going to try and drill 30,000 meters this year. A combination of step out drilling on the existing deposit plus. Uh, a series of satellites, which we hope to find new discoveries and actually put new resources. So I'm not quite sure we'll get a we, we, new asset called Sao Domingos, which we actually made some discoveries there already. Whether we can get enough drilling done and enough success there to actually hang a resource on that by the end of the year. Right? If we can't, maybe it'll be early part of next year. But that drilling is going to continue in 2022 um, again. So I think, you know, at some point in the middle of next year, let's say, we'll hopefully having new resource updates and reserve updates on at Polito, Sao Chico, and maybe some of uh, one or two satellites we found as well. So um, the whole idea of that is to then say at the end of 2022 or the middle of 2022, okay, we found X number of more ounces. 
uh, we're now going to expand our process plant at Polito, or we're going to put a process plant, an additional plant somewhere else, so we can get more ounces out of the Polito complex and not just be capped at that 40,000, which we are today. Uh, we, can, we can actually increase that. So um, it's a nice split of organic growth and obviously um, uh, the, 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 obviously the development of Coringa. And uh, as I say, while all that's going on, we'll have half an eye open to half an eye out open to uh, a sensible sort of combination to, to scale up the company, uh, which is all great news for shareholders. Yeah, certainly. Um, Mike, really appreciate your time in, uh, in uh, giving us an overview of uh, Sarabi Gold and what you have done in the past and what you're looking to do in the future. Um, if our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions, um, how can they go about doing that? Are you across any social media platforms? We are. We have a Twitter account. Uh, obviously, you can find that. Just go to our website, www.sarabigold.com, and you'll find the Twitter account there. Appreciate if uh, um, audience can, uh, obviously, if you've got any questions for Mike, obviously you can reach out to him on those uh, channels. Um, we can include them in the podcast uh, show notes below. Um, those that are listening on the, the YouTube channel, appreciate if you can share this uh, episode out to other people that, um, that may want to uh, listen and hear about, obviously, mining in Brazil, whether it's from an investment perspective or whether just to understand what it's like mining in Brazil. Appreciate if you can share share the episode out to those. Um, thank you for listening, guys. Um, hope you can uh, share this episode to all your friends and family. Um, and again, Mike, really appreciate your time uh, in uh, showcasing Sarabi Gold um, to our to our audience. So until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.